Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, teach us now, Lord. We are your children. A father teaches his children. And so we look forward to you teaching us now about our blessed Savior, your beloved Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 8.32 He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Romans 8, this chapter, Romans 8, is all about the love of God. It starts off with the love of God by putting us in no condemnation in the first verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's the love of God, that we are not condemned. And then it ends with the impossibility of being able to separate us from the love of God. In the last verse there, you notice where it talks about, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And yet right here in verse 32, we have a fact stated. It's a fact stated. What God has done. And in verse 32, God did this. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. So before we go to the Lord's table this morning, we want to consider three parts of this verse. First, the part where it says, he spared not. And second, the part where it says, he delivered him up. And then third, the part where it says, for us all. First of all, Romans 8.32 starts off and says, He spared not His own Son. That's a fact. That happened. God did not spare His own Son. That's history. And it surprises us because we can think of reasons why God should have spared His Son. At least four. At least four reasons why the Father should have spared His Son. I mean, the first reason that it naturally comes to mind why a father would spare a son is because of what the Lord Jesus Christ said about the father and him in John 3.35. In John 3.35, he says, very simply, the father loveth the son. The father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand. Because the father loved the Lord Jesus Christ, he gave all things into his hand. But... This was how the Son is known in heaven. 
The son is known in heaven as the one who the father loves. When Isaac, when God looked at Isaac and God looked at Abraham and he said, and, and this is how Abraham's son, Isaac, was known by God as Abraham's son whom he loveth. And that's why God said to him in Genesis 22.1, Genesis 22.1, came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, behold, here am I. Here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering unto me upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. This is how God saw the relationship, Isaac and Abraham. Love. And this is how the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about his father as a father who loved him. Not only in that verse in John 3.35, but also in John 5.20. For the father loveth the son and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater things than these that you may marvel. Because the Father loved the Lord Jesus Christ, he shows him everything. John 15, 9, he says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. See, here again, the Lord Jesus Christ, you can see him. He's so glad to be talking about the Father's love for him, about the Father's love. John 17, the last, the, the great prayer sort of the report of all that he had done on earth. In John 17, in John 17, 23, he speaks about I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. The world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. John 17, 26, I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Constantly talking about the fact that the Father loves him. When the Lord Jesus Christ begins his public ministry, not just the Son who speaks about the Father's love for him, but when he started his public ministry at the baptism by John there, the Father speaks about his love for the Son in Matthew 3.17. Matthew 3.17. Lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. When the suggestion, Peter's up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he makes the suggestions. Oh, this is such a wonderful event. Let's make three tabernacles here. One for the Lord, one for Elisha, one for Moses. In other words, let's put the Lord on the equal par with, with those two, with Moses and Elijah. The Father speaks strongly from heaven in Matthew 17, 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, same thing. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. See, in both cases, the Father expresses His love for the Lord Jesus Christ by calling Him my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So the Father loved the Son. He loved the Son. That's the reason why He should spare the Son, because He loved the Son. Why did He love the Son? Because the Son always did the things that pleased the Father. Before he came, before the Son came, before the Lord Jesus came to earth, he was so excited to do the will of the Father that he said in Psalm 40, verse 7, Psalm 40, verse 7, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight 
to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my, within, within my mouth. See, when he came to earth, he had the single goal the Lord Jesus Christ had was to do the will of the Father. You can see him. He's coming to earth. He's like, I must do the will of the Father. I must do the will of the Father. God first. That was him. In John 6, 38, he spoke about that. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And while he's here on earth, and he's doing his ministry, he maintains this single goal before him. He says it's the Father's will. In John eight twenty nine. I do always those things that please him. And then in John 3, 434, John 434, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then in John 530, I seek not mine own will, but the will of the father which has sent me. So then now John 17, end of his time here on earth, end of his time here on earth. And he says these words, John 17, four, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. So the Father loves the Son because he does the will of the Father. And the Father speaks as being delighted with him, delighted to be with his Son. When he calls him in Isaiah 42.1, in Isaiah 42.1, he says, he said, the Father says, Behold my servant, behold my servant, whom I am uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. See, the Lord Jesus spoke of how delighted the Father was with him. And when he speaks in, in Proverbs 8, Proverbs 8, verse 30, he says, the Lord Jesus says about the Father, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Such a happiness between their relationship. The Father loves the Lord Jesus Christ so much that the Father just wanted to be with him. The, Lord, the Father just wanted to be with the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus was daily the delight of the Father. The more the Father delighted in the Son, the more the Father should not be willing to give up his Son. With a love like that, where the Lord Jesus is 100% dedicated to doing the will of the Father, where the Father wanted the Lord Jesus to always be with him, to be before him, where the Lord Jesus was daily the delight of the Father, that's the first reason why the Father should not give it up his son, why the Father should have spared his son, because the Father loved the son, therefore the son should have been spared. This is what he says in, in Malachi 3.17, Malachi 3.17, when he said, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them, as a man spareth his own son, that serveth him. You know, if an imperfect father, an imperfect human father, would spare his son who serves him imperfectly, that God the Father should spare his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who serves him perfectly. The Lord Jesus Christ was the son of the father's affections. So the father loved him and loved him supremely. I mean, if you look at that, you look at the amount of love that the father has for the son, then that should be the same amount of unwillingness that the father should have given up the son. The father should have been the most unwilling to, to not spare a son. The father loves the son infinitely more than the angels. And the father didn't give up any angels for us. But the father did not spare the son for us. 
So the first reason the father should have spared the son is because of the father's love for his son. The second reason why the father should have spared his son was because the son was worthy. He was worthy of the father's love. He was worthy to be spared. We've already seen how he was worthy of the father's love because he was the perfect servant of the father. But he was worthy of the father's love because he remained sinless. He remained spotless in the middle of a filthy, sinful world. I mean, he was tempted to sin. He was in the wilderness there in in Matthew 4, but he remained pure. As a matter of fact, he was tempted in every way, like you and I are tempted, but he remained pure. That's the big emphasis of Hebrews 4.15. It's the last words. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He stayed pure. In Hebrews 7.26, for, for such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And we've just heard this morning from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53.9, he made his grave with the wicked, the rich in his death, but because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. And then he said at the end of his life, when he's with his enemies, he says, which of you convinceth me of sin? And then as it says in 1 John 3.15, you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. All of heaven looks at the Lord Jesus, and they say one word, worthy. They look at him, and they say worthy. In Revelation 5.20, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that is slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So the second reason the Father should have spared His Son was because He was worthy. He was worthy of all the love of heaven, including all the angels. He's worthy of the Father's love. And we can imagine how in heaven, when they knew that the Father was not going to spare the Son, they must have gasped and said, Oh no, He's so worthy. He should be spared. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was stating the first commandment, he's really describing himself. He said in Matthew 22, 37, Matthew 22, 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. What he's doing there is he's describing his own heart, his own soul, his own mind. It's all the more painful for a father to give up a child who loves him. A father who's holding the child, he should give him up. That's painful. A child who's clinging to the father. See, the third reason why the father should have spared the son is because the son loved the father. The son loved the father. And then the fourth reason we consider why he gave him up for us. We, we, we see this in, in Romans 8.32 when it says that he despaired not his son, but delivered him us up for us all. For us all. He was given up for us all. The fourth reason why the father should not have given up the son for us was because we had no claim. What claim did we have? We had no claim for the son to be given us. I mean, we do have claims. We do have claims from God. We have a valid claim for God's wrath. We do. We have a valid claim for God's punishment. We have a valid claim for hell and for eternal suffering. We who hated God and were God's enemies, we had no claim for the gift from God of his son. We were the most undeserving. 
The fourth reason why God should have spared his son for us is because we're so undeserving, we're so sinful, we're so rebellious, we're so horrid. So these are the four reasons why the father should have spared the son. One, because the father loved the son. Two, because the son was so worthy to be spared. Three, because the son loved the father. And fourth, because we were so unworthy of the gift of the Father giving him up for us. But the fact is that what happened was that the Father did not spare his Son, but delivered him up. And when it says it delivered him up, it means that he surrendered him. He turned him over. I mean, just just, just kind of picture this in your mind. I mean, this is a, you know, just picture this. Big angry crowd outside. Right? So they say, Clint, they want Cassidy. They want you to surrender her. They want to torture her to death. Can you imagine that? You know what Clint would come up for? He'd die. He'd die. I'm not going to spare Cassidy. No way I'm going to give her up. To be tortured to death? I don't think so. That's what happened. That's what happened with the father. The father, the father was, he surrendered. He gave his son to an angry, violent crowd to be tortured to death. The father surrendered his son to a crowd who tortured him to death. Why? Why? God spared not his son so he could spare us. God delivered up his son so that he would not deliver us up. God surrendered his son so he wouldn't surrender us. God parted with his son, so he wouldn't part with us. God poured his wrath on his son, so he wouldn't pour his wrath on us. God judged his son for our sins, so that we would be not be judged for our sins. He laid all of our sins on his son to take our sins away from us. And so the word it's very interesting what it says he, he delivered him up in Romans 8, 32. It's the word paradidomai, and it's from the word didomai, and that's the same word that's used in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave that he didomai, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, John three sixteen is expressing these truths in Romans eight thirty two. God gave his son because he loved us, which is why in Isaiah 53.10 it says, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. It pleased the Lord to surrender him. It pleased the Lord to give him up. He put him to grief. Now, why? Because it says in Romans 8.32, God delivered his son for us all. And when it says for us all, it means for all, for us all, for all mankind. By giving up his son for all mankind, God bought a pardon for every person. There's a pardon for every man with his name written on it. But the tragedy is not everybody's pardoned. Not everybody. He bought the pardon. His name's written on it. There's a pardon. There's a pardon for every man. His name's written on the pardon. But every man is not pardoned. Why? John 3, 19. 
And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Here's the condemnation. Light's come into the world and man says, no, thank you. No, no. Condemnation is a choice. It's a choice of rejecting the pardon that God has bought for every man delivering up his son. You say, well, if God bought the pardon, isn't it automatic then that everybody should, that people should be pardoned because God pardoned? No. It's very interesting that happened within the U.S. history. Very interesting in the history of the U.S. In 1829, a man named George Wilson in Pennsylvania, he was, he was tried and sentenced to be hanged by a U.S. federal district court for robbing the mail and for murder. But three weeks before his execution, he was pardoned by President Andrew Jackson. He was pardoned by President Andrew Jackson. But George Wilson refused the pardon. And that just put the government, the U.S. government was totally in a tailspin. They didn't know what to do. Well, what do we do? He's been pardoned by the president. And, we, and, 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 and so we're, we're scheduled to hang him, but he's been pardoned. They didn't know what to do. So the U.S. government, they didn't know what to do. So you know what happened? It went to the Supreme Court. It went to the Supreme Court. And writing for the court, Chief Justice John Marshall, the time, writing for the court, wrote these words. A pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential. And delivery is not complete without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered. And if it is rejected, we have discovered no power in this court to force it upon him. And George Wilson was executed. He was hung. And when he was hung, you know what the tragedy was? His pardon with his name on it lay on the sheriff's desk, unclaimed, unclaimed. When the father spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, the pardon was paid for for every man by the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid the price of every man's sin. And now there's a free pardon for every man with their name written on it. And it's, it's offered to whosoever will. But if the pardon is rejected, if the pardon is not accepted, it won't be forced on anyone. It won't be. Just like the court says, we have discovered no power in this court to force it upon him. It won't be. To, and tragically, you know what hell is? Tragically, hell is a place that receives all those whose pardons lay on the sheriff's desk unclaimed. Tragically, there are so many pardons with people's names on it laying on the eternal sheriff's desks and stamped unclaimed. Before communion, we want to make sure in the honesty and the sincerity of each of our hearts individually, make sure that each of us has claimed our pardon because he spared not his son but delivered him up for us all. Let's pray. Father, help us now as we enter into communion to come beneath the cross, near the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free 
at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God Radio Bible Teacher Tom Cantor at the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for a free Creation Museum admission and amazing weekly food fellowship. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor's Sunday evening messages on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, and classes for children ages 5 to 12. So join the fellowship, the Friendship with God Fellowship, every Sunday evening at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum next to Highway 67 in Santee, California, near the Santee Drive-In. For more information, call us at 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.